Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and I have an excellent guest to uh, come with me today on this interview. I'm so stoked that she is here. Um, she is a longtime friend um, and colleague. This is Dr. Ingrid Etchstein Dio. Uh, welcome to the podcast and say hi to everyone. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you and I go way back. Um, I think it was around 2013 or so we met in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a professional organization geared towards using lifestyle, evidence-based lifestyle approaches to be able to uh, treat, prevent, and reverse uh, chronic diseases. And that's how we met. We actually started um, in the professionals and training uh, group. We started the first class and uh, we just worked with a lot of medical students and residents and trying to get them up to snuff, including ourselves. So, but um, her story is so unique. I just love your story. Um, tell the audience members um, how, you know, through your journey of uh, health and your medical uh, education, how did you come to be where you are right now? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Um, I'm really delighted uh, to be able to share the story with you. And it's really been a gift to know you for the past several years and to just have the experience of watching this develop and the positive energy just uh, going back and forth. So it's awesome to be here. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, you know, I was thinking about like, when did this all begin? Like the roots of the lifestyle medicine and uh, I have to trace it back actually to probably being a kid who liked martial arts and read this book by Dan Millman called Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And for whatever reason, it really just resonated with me around there's some bigger, deeper purpose in our lives of what we're doing with ourselves, both personally, professionally, and it just um, blended well with the whole martial arts training. And that was probably like as a teenager, I'd say around 16 or so years old. Um, it followed me through college. <clears throat> I was doing a lot of studies around psychology, cognitive science, and Eastern religion sort of stuff. And I always knew I was just inclined to think about the mind-body connection. And I think that's really been the core of this lifestyle medicine endeavor for me and the expression of it right now in my own um, practice of uh, thinking about what's the science behind health, um, especially around this integration between our physical health and our emotional and mental well-being. So I would say, yeah, it's coming from this kind of Eastern contemplative practice tradition that informed a lot of just my own journey 
And uh, a lot of what intrigued me to, uh, about lifestyle medicine, because I felt like, wow, finally, a group <laughs> of like other folks who totally get it. Uh, it's really more than just about, you know, the standard establishment medical model. They really see a, a radically innovative way of doing things to get to the core purpose around health and well-being. And uh, it was just so uplifting and motivating. I truly found my tribe in this group. And that social support element has kept me going since 2013 plus of the amazing mentors in this space, too many to list. Um, And that's, uh, you know, that's really the evolution of it since then. But if I had to like go back to roots, I mean, I'm sure there are probably more, but that's what stands out for me right now is this martial arts and mind-body connection. That's awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that story. And uh, it kind of, it almost sounds like a full circle of, um, of a process for you. And I feel, you know, uh, each and everyone's individual journey, you know, in a way comes full circle. <clears throat> and whether you realize it or not, and uh, sometimes you kind of have to back backtrack and look at these different pieces and see how do they actually fit into the larger picture you know of the forest instead of you know we're very caught up at times to be in the minutiae of our day-to-day lives you know we're just really obsessed as a society as americans to be just super busy and sometimes we don't look at the big picture and i think um you know reflecting um on your own journey on your own path on your own story kind of gives you perspective and you know knowing you know where am I going to go? Where am I? Where am I now? And how do I move forward? So thank you for sharing that. It's uh, it's a great, great, uh, great story. The next question I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, what is? I would love to know, like, what is your take on? Um, you know, we talked a lot about lifestyle medicine, and you know, it's really about like the basic pillars of health, right? So, what is your uh, perspective, um, you know, uh, on on that? What like what are your definitions of the pillars of health um, and wellness for people, and where do you find your niche to be? You know, that you carved out for yourself um, for where you are right now. Mm. So. When I think about the pillars of lifestyle medicine, kind of my automatic response is what we all know about, you know, the sleep, the stress, the social interactions, nutrition, activity, um, as the main components of it. And what I've discovered over the past several years, just being in this space and having so many conversations with patients and, you know, being part of different programs, there's so much going back to what you were saying, this full circle of this mind-body connection and this social element to it, surprisingly, that's very difficult to address in a traditional primary care model. Um, there's just not enough time. I know I've, I've tried so hard over the past uh, few years to make it work as much as I can in a primary care setting. Um, But to be able to get into the mind, the emotions in a deep, substantive way and to enable a social relationship both with yourself, provider to patient, but also to enable community, which I think is such a huge driver of our behaviors. Um, That to me gets to the deeper layers of lifestyle medicine. A lot of us know the content, right? Like, you know, eat more veggies, get more exercise, (laughs) sleep seven, eight hours, don't use bad substances. So we all know 
you know, the, the core foundations of lifestyle medicine, the sleep, the stress, the social, the nutrition, the activity, uh, as the fundamental components to healthy living. And, you know, as you're saying, going back full circle for me, so much of this uh, is also about that mind-body connection and about the social elements. And the thing is, you know, with this primary care setting, it's just so difficult to do, um, to really explore, to deep dive into, to have really any kind of meaningful conversation, let alone, you know, intervention around. And, you know, we're social animals. We do so well when we have, you know, positive stimulus. Um, we do so well when we have, you know, uh, a good nervous system response in our body that takes us away from this survival mode of being closed down and isolated and you know self-absorbed to one that's feeling calm and content and curious and able to explore. Um, so it's, it's really quite interesting. So the deeper layers of lifestyle medicine for me are getting to these two elements, the mind-body connection and the social um, connection. And the mind-body connection, when I talk about that, I think about, you know, this basic practices that we've had for thousands of years. Uh, and that's the other interesting part about lifestyle medicine. It's like we're the newbies in the medical <laughs> establishment, but this has been going on for thousands of yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, like that is lifestyle medicine, you know? <laughs> um, we've been talking about it in, in the medical model recently, but... You know, I think it's just kind of silly of us to think that it's something radically new. Um, and so these traditions have so much to offer, and I love it because it's so accessible. You don't have to spend, you know, tons on expensive technologies or treatments. Like, the practices are available. Um, they just, you know, require a little bit of uh, training and some cultivation in, uh, and kind of the right supportive network. And also the social piece too. I think that's the other um, component that's been a challenge. But if we can leverage the group dynamics, if we can have just settings in which we can, um, you know, interact with others around lifestyle behaviors, it becomes less clinical. Mm. And that's kind of been the interesting. Um, puzzle with mm -hmm. lifestyle medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, I know one of my favorite mentors in the space who I trained with, Dr. David Katz, he was the first one who mentioned this and I still like pretty much think about it to this day of, you know, lifestyle in medicine. And that's been the, the, the obstacle, it's been a challenge really getting lifestyle medicine in its traditional model because it's, you know, a square peg, round hole. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a different way of doing things. So can we think about new models um, that are outside of the box because it's lifestyle as medicine? And with lifestyle as medicine, that's not the traditional medical model we're used to. Yeah. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it's interesting that uh, you actually use lifestyle as medicine because um, 
um, Dr. Robert Graham uh, that I interviewed for the first episode, he actually said, you know, we use food is medicine. And he says that I would argue that, you know, it takes away from the beauty of uh, food and medicine by itself because there's room and capacity for both. And he says that we should actually, you know, rephrase it by saying food as medicine. So it's interesting, you know, um, that you say it like that because, you know, lifestyle, we can use it as a tool and it is a tool and there's necessary components to this toolbox that we have as healthcare providers, as, you know, um, all these different um, health and wellness, you know, uh, leadership that we have, you know, the ability to care for a patient or a person, you know. But to add to your point about before, um, I fully agree about that social connectiveness because, you know, nowadays we are developing so much technology. We are developing, you know, at least for us healthcare professionals, our electronic medical record, which used to be paper, you know, it's getting so advanced. So I would say so complex and so complicated that, you know, patients, you know, I haven't patients will always complain about, you know, a doctor not looking them in the eye, not facing them. We're always just staring at the computer. And, you know, we live in a very advanced, you know, society. And yes, there's a lot of room for that. And there's always necessity for that. But it also, I would say that it, it disconnects us rather than, you know, than some would argue artificially connects us more, you know, with the advent of internet and social media and all that stuff. Um, but I agree with you is that, you know, we, you know, to me, the, the necessary skills is reinforcing and developing and honing that, um, the power of touch, the power of sensitivity from touch, the listening ear, you know, being able to care for someone just by listening to them and just being in their space and taking the time to just, um, just absorb, you know, their energy and just feeling what they're feeling at that time is, you know, the, the foundations of compassion and empathy, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I, you know, really, really glad that you shared that. So my third question is, um, I know you have a very, very, uh, you have vested interests and passions into, mm -hmm. um, the world of fitness and yoga and meditation. And you touched upon this a little bit already, but, um, and maybe you want to touch on the other two, but where do you find those to contribute to um, your current, you know, work um, right now? And where do you find how that applies to our um, health, uh, healthcare paradigm um, or our space right now? So the role of fitness, yoga, meditation, I find it to be the go-to platform in which to enable these wellness services. It has the benefit of the frequency, right? So you're having a regular yoga or fitness practice. Um, that's something that's different than the current medical model. You pretty much you go in when you're sick or when something's broken. Um, maybe if you have a chronic issue, you go in more regular basis every few months, every month. Um, <clears throat> it's a different mindset. However, with fitness, the mindset around that is like, I'm training, I'm cultivating, there's regularity for it. It's very similar, I feel like, to a simple you know, analogy of like brushing teeth every day. It's like a public health thing. Why do you brush your teeth, right? Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't do it if I didn't have to, but I like to have fresh breath, like, you know, good, strong teeth. I'd like them to not decay and fall out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I feel like it's the same thing. Want to chew my food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, enjoy the pleasure of eating. Um, yeah. 
Yes, um, and that's a technology of some sort that we thankfully have had for some time. Um, and the same thing goes, and the fitness is the equivalent for the muscles and our physical body of being able to have um, a strong, able body to carry us through any activity that we do. That's why I'm so passionate about it, because um, you know, I've had amazing training in medical fitness and done rotations uh, during my training in sports medicine and osteopathic treatment. And it's really, you know, just foundational. And I feel it's like the most neglected part because it's also the most difficult part to include in a medical practice um, for many reasons. Um, Our own training does not include personal strength training. And then knowing to to refer to is also an issue. Um, But it's great because it has both of those things. It has the regularity and it has a social connection. So we get two things at once. And then the yoga and meditation gets to the underlying mood and emotions. And to me, I feel like it's just the jewel in this whole wellness practice in this new model because it allows for us to cultivate our positivity and our positive health. And it's a whole different mindset um, than the one in the current medical practice of where things are broken, I'm sick, and I'm trying to recover. It's, well, yes, that might certainly be going on, but how can we leverage your strengths and what's going well in your life? And, you know, I've had amazing mentors who are working in positive psychology. Um, Dr. Liana Leonov, I have to mention her because Mm -hmm. she's just been just a guiding light in my life. And she's writing a handbook now on on this topic of how do we uh, incorporate these um, techniques of positive psychology into this medical model. And I feel that yoga and meditation is a no-brainer, right? Like, it already has it set up. And again, it's been around for thousands of years. It's time-tested. It works. And it works quickly. Uh, My own experiences have been different, you know, um, yoga practices um, that include both movement and meditation and mantra. Um, You can feel results in minutes. And I can't say that there's a pill that can really do that for mm-hmm. me. Sure, I'm sure there are some substances, <laughs> but that, that, that's not part of the lifestyle medicine route. And it's so empowering to have that combination. Um, and that's really been this interesting kind of new goal for me is trying to see how we can blend these more, I would say, you know, yin energy, yoga, meditation, healing traditions with these more yang energy of like fitness training and strength training mm. because you need both um, for your nervous system and for this well-rounded balance. And I feel they pair very well together. And again, it's going back to this like empowerment. When you enable an individual with this fitness training for both body and mind, Everything else is so much easier to do. The capacity goes up for the nutrition, for the stress management, for the other elements of lifestyle medicine. So to me, it's just the essence of how to enable lifestyle as medicine. Mm. It almost sounds like, you know, through these um, three routes that it kind of um, brings you to a new Um, I don't want to say like maybe energy, of course, it sounds like you're going to get more energy uh, for it, but it almost seems like you're at this new state, uh, whether it's mind, body, spirit, and also the physicalness, because it sounds like, and and you're absolutely right, it is time tested, you know, especially the meditation yoga. Um, But I just love, I just, 
I just love the fact that there's a community and social component to it. And I think that's what's missing, you know, from, I guess, our day-to-day lives, you know? I mean, we eat on the run, we, you know, work out by ourselves, you know, at times, you know, we, um, you know, we, we play games, you know, like I see a lot of younger generations just being more and more isolated. We're always on some sort of like smart device. And so, this allows us to at least, you know, for even just a few moments or a couple hours or, you know, just just more with others, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we, you know, ultimately need. And I agree with you. We are social creatures. We need to have each other to not only support, courage, empower, but also inspire to push us forward. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're just, you know, uh, you know, one race, you know, the human race. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, if, uh, and I'm going a little bit off topic myself, but like, it's more, it's more about the togetherness. And I love the fact that, you know, you use those three, uh, avenues to, you know, in a way bring togetherness, which, you know, maybe a, a possible patient or client that walks through your doors may not realize it you know from the get-go they probably don't realize it from signing up Mm -hmm. saying like hey disclaimer you will have fun with others or (laughs) you know disclaimer you will actually get better with other others you know and i think um you know that's that's an awesome thing i know from my own you know one-on-one patient encounters is that you know, I tell them to, you know, cook more, but with a family, you know, I tell them to, you know, go for a walk, but have a accountability partner, you know, things like that. There's a lot of power with another, with others. So. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. My next question for you is, um, what do you feel like, you know, over the years, you know, from patients and clients alike, you know, what do you feel is missing um, from their day to day, um, you know, right now? And, you know, we can talk, you can touch upon like physical, emotional, mental, but, you know, what is it that people are missing nowadays in our current, current state? You know, that's... There's, I'm trying to think of uh, just one, um, the one that stands out to me. You know, I'll, I'll talk about this one because this is coming out of a program that I've been participating in that I think is just terrific. Um, it brings together uh, different traditions from contemplative practices, primarily Tibetan Buddhism with psychotherapy. And we've been talking about how our culture almost has this predisposition that even though we have a lot of self-help books and self-psychology stuff, there's almost like this lack of concept that we can really make a big change in our lives, kind of empowering the individual to be spectacular Mm -hmm. um, in in many ways. Like we kind of have our usual to-do list and you wake up in the morning and you're just kind of rolling through what needs to happen. Um, it's almost kind of a, an automatic mindlessness that happens um, for many of us as we go through our day. I feel like, in, especially in our current state, um, it's a combination of things. You know, a lot of people are overworked, overstressed. Um, we've been talking about not enough 
um, quality social interactions, whether in person or online, uh, feeling depleted at the end of the day. And, you know, I think for our generation, there's really very little opportunity um, to remedy that. Like, what do you do? Um, I ask patients, like, what do you do to manage your stress? Um, a lot of them will say exercise, which sounds great. <laughs> I totally approve of exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say that most people are not necessarily as religious as generations past. Um, and we don't really have the social community elements um, that bring us together that would incorporate these elements of kind of being your best self, of what is it like to feel an awakening of your inner potential. You know, mm-hmm, if I had to mm-hmm. say something cheesy like that, mm-hmm. I would, I, that's what I would kind of talk about. It's, we don't have it that much in our media. So you're saying like people are more, um, I guess, conditioned to just be uh, average or mediocre or not really pushed uh, enough to reach their highest potential. Yeah, I feel like between just the responsibilities of the day-to-day weighing down, um, that precludes a lot of kind of accessory thought around how can I make you know myself better because people are just tired and depleted. Um, and also culturally, we don't necessarily have that many discussions around like you know the heroes mm. um, and like these really kind of um, uh, above average cases when there's so much that we could be doing um, on our own in these small frequent um, cultivations um, that it's very much possible um, that there's a lot of opportunity in which to expand um, and we don't have necessarily the social environment in which to explore this. Mm. So I think about like, where could this happen? You know, religious institutions, yes, that's terrific. That's one element. Um, I think of different community centers, but you think of a why and it's a little bit outdated. So it's, I'm mm. almost thinking like, you know, uh, a modern why of sorts, if you can combine those two concepts, a community mm-hmm. center, and it's really about, you know, fulfilling and empowering your mind and your body. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting uh, topic to, to ponder about, um, you know, because our society, I think in general, just we just we're really good at creating noise and we're really good with overstimulating misinformation um just a whole bunch of distractions and um, i know for my own self journey you know um it comes you know a lot of different um answers to questions and obstacles and struggles that i personally went through came from being in solitude and so when you live in a society um, that is just very noisy, um, it's very important to just, you know, take a moment, um, you know, like, you know, you meditate and you, or you do yoga or just doing any, any time, uh, carve out a specific time to just be with yourself, you know, would be, you know, how I personally would be able to reach a certain point where, okay, I wouldn't have known this about myself. I wouldn't have known that I could achieve this type of level. I didn't know that, you know, I could be this type of person if I didn't, you know, have that solitude to say like, hey, you know, I know I'm going through some stuff, but um, I can push through it. Or, you know, being in a new place, you know, I, you know that I travel a lot, you know, it's, 
It's knowing that, hey, I've, I've actually gone outside of my boundaries and by going outside of it, I realized that it's not so scary and it's not so um, uncertain or, you know, um, as society would paint it, you know, it's all about pushing your own boundaries, you know, so, um, but I agree with you, you know, I find a lot of answers in solitude and I also find a lot of answers with being with others, you know, and I, I've been blessed with a lot of mentors, with a lot of people um, that have guided me and, um, you know, if you're lucky, uh, for for uh, you guys as audience members, you know, if you have a mentor and or if you have a good teacher or just a really, really good friend or family member that you look up to, hold on to them and learn as much as you can. And, um, you know, I, th I think, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, last question, um, but the best for last is uh, what are three tips um, that you can give to our audience members, you know, that they could you know, better their lives or make them thrive uh, and starting today, you know, from your perspective. Super. So just to bring it back to that mind-body connection, let's start off with, you know, the mind. And like you were saying, so many of your um, insights come from moments of reflection um, and kind of solitude of having, you know, the mental space to get rid of our baggage, let that come off a little bit, our usual thought patterns. Um, and there are so many different meditations in which to do that. And, you know, a lot of the times people say, oh, but I don't want to sit down. You don't need to sit down. It's okay. <laughs> you don't need to be any more sedentary than we already are. Um, <clears throat> I would definitely say in the morning, this is my go-to, um, and I know the difference if I don't do this. Uh, it becomes not good for everyone involved. Um, so in the morning, if you have three minutes, I would allocate that time for like just you time, time to let go of the baggage, focus in on the breath, have a little bit of mindful awareness, just some basic mindful meditation. And if you'd like to spice it up and add some love, adding in just some thoughts about loving kindness, um, feeling happy for yourself, for others, feeling peace for yourself and others. And I particularly like, may I be uh, at ease and just letting the day come with ease. Um, I already just feel the burden coming off my shoulders thinking about that. <laughs> so that would be my go-to. Definitely, at least just even if you only have one minute in the morning, that's better than absolutely nothing. And again, it's that cultivation and training step-by-step. Um, for the body, if you don't already have one, um, there's so many benefits of strength training, um, whether it's using your own body or weights or whatever type of equipment you'd like. It's one of the best predictors for longevity, quality of life. Um, I definitely would recommend checking that out uh, wherever you're at um, for some format of strength training because it really has such an empowering effect um, on the mind as well. Um, so that's two. Uh, and then my third one for kind of social, I would say uh, the other big thing that's been super helpful and easy enough to do in less than a minute um, is spending a moment on gratitude. And I would schedule that in maybe around that lull around 3 p.m. when <laughs> we start to get cranky and need our coffee um, or whatever else it might be. Um, just literally taking a moment, if you like to sit there and actually write it out um, for three things that you've been grateful for that day, that will actually you know change your perspective and change your attention. And energy flows where attention goes. And that's where all three of these tips are meant to cultivate and empower. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Um, I think those three tips will go a long way. 
Ingrid, it's been an awesome pleasure. Thank you so much for being here, um, participating in my show, and uh, for giving uh, the audience members a, a little bit of you know why you thrive and you know how you give others so they can thrive as well. Um, please tell them um, where can they find you? Uh, what are you doing now? And just uh, how how do people reach you? Well, this has been fantastic. I know this is going to be a huge success. Um, <laughs> so that'll be phenomenal. Um, I am. I just opened up a new studio right in West Hollywood on 310 North Flores Street uh, that is actually bringing together all of these pieces. So we are combining the medical lifestyle medicine piece with uh, fitness training and yoga and meditation together. So it's, you know, it's incredible. I love it. Um, the trainers who I have now are so passionate about what they do. Um, we're actually offering just complimentary assessments for folks who want to try it out. Um, we welcome you to come by. If you'd like to reach me, my email is Dr. Ingrid, that's D-R-I-N-G-R-I-D, at Valia Lifestyle, V-A-L-I-A, lifestyle.com. And uh, yeah, that'll be terrific. Mm -hmm. I wanted to stop by. We're um, happy to, to meet with you and to talk more about the whole mind-body connection. This is definitely going to be a whole new radical delivery system for healthcare. <laughs> but radical, but awesome results. I guarantee you that. Um, yeah, thank you again. Um, I can't uh, wait for you know your new place to flourish and for others to uh, come and see you. So if you guys are in the area, please check her out. Um, I will be posting uh, links um, and references so you can check her out. Ingrid, thank you so much again for coming by. And uh, you know this has been another episode of Thrive Bites. And uh, please come on back next week. Thanks a lot, Ingrid. Thank you, Colin. This has been spectacular. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you liked that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.